Hey, you're listening to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and so want to make Him the centre of our lives, our community and our world. We're going to learn how to do that right now as we sit down and unpack Sunday's sermon. Well, here we are. It's a it's it's a weird week. Welcome it, to Banter. <laughs> really, none of us spoke. Neither of us spoke. It's gonna be a funny one. Well, yeah. I'm I'm Murray. <laughs> I'm Mitch. This is Mitch. Just in case yeah, this is your first time listen. Welcome. Mm. This is Banter. Uh we yeah, unpack Sunday's sermon and Sunday's sermon was a visitor to our church, Joel from mm. Open Doors, speaking about the work that his organization he's a part of do um yeah globally with the persecuted church spoke about some stories spoke about some parables that jesus told mm. and we're gonna unpack it this morning but mm. mitch i want to start this morning by um asking you what country when we're praying for mm. did you pray for and what did you learn yeah. anything in in mm. praying for so it? i prayed for iran um just because of um, Ellie and Nagar come from Iran mm. and they've still got family over there. Mm. And so last year when everything kind of blew up, we actually held up a special prayer service for Iran and Ellie and Nagar came. So mm. I prayed for Iran. Actually, and Rach prayed for Lao because mm. we've got connections there. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, the two countries that we prayed for. And poor yeah. North Korea got left out. We ran out of time. So Brad did a quick <laughs> pray for North Korea. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> This this is the challenge with corporate prayer in in small group way. Someone's nearly always either going to get cut off, yeah. or groups are just awkwardly waiting there for yeah. others to finish. It's it's we should we should have done the Korean or the Solomons. There's, there's, depending on the country you come from, I've heard different names. But everyone just prays at once. Mm, yeah, and my South Korean friends from college say, "Well, we're just very efficient." So you know, if everyone prays at once, get more prayers out in a shorter time. So when you say praying at once, it's like actually audibly speaking yeah, yeah. at once. Yeah. So you know, like we go, I'll oh, pray around the room. One person prays. Like if there's mm. a group of five or five, we pray at once. Mm. It's very disconcerting when you do it the first time. So we did a fair bit at college in um, our like mission subjects mm. to get that experience of how other cultures pray and. Yeah. Yeah, in Korean culture particularly, that's like how they pray. They all pray like once, there's one voice going. I, I find it, yeah, really like off-putting because I can hear so many things happening at once. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 I, I would find that hard to focus as well. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. So it's, but it's interesting how different, yeah, anyway. Absolutely. Different, way, different Absolutely. ways people pray. Yeah, I mean, look, we were a bit unoriginal. We, we prayed for North Korea. It's top of the world yeah. sort of watch list at the moment for persecuted countries. Um, yeah, I suppose what was really interesting in that was, yeah, just recognising um, that South Korea is actually a very, mm. obviously, very different country, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, despite yeah, there only yeah. being one word difference in their title. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like South Korea is such a Christian country. Yeah. Um, and obviously they're by very, well, I shouldn't say obviously, because there's high populations of Christians in countries that are persecuted, but just that um, parallel between the two. Mm. And what was really interesting is um, if you click on the North Korea page sort of in the World Watch list and sort of scroll down, there's an article down the bottom about have you prayed for Kim Jong-un and this Mm. idea of, yeah, what does it mean to even pray for those who persecute Mm. you as Jesus kind of calls us to? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's very biblical. Paul and Peter in their letters would exhort the church to pray for the, yeah. yeah. I'm having a mind blank who wrote it, but it says, yeah, that every 
s- let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Yeah. And I always remember this. And like Peter definitely is like, yeah, you know, pray for those. God's given them the authority to rule. It's interesting, yeah, because it wasn't written <clears throat> to a government that was peaceful. Like the Romans, Roman government, probably by that point, wasn't overly fond of Christians. They were tolerant at the beginning, and they thought it was just a sect of Judaism. Yeah. But then as it became increasingly Gentile, <laughs> less and less tolerant. So, yeah. yeah, probably a lesson that I think many a Western Christian should probably learn mm. about praying for their, mm. yeah, leaders mm. and leaders of government that aren't don't necessarily agree with you. Not just praying for the the yeah. ones that you align with your political values. Yeah, I think that if um, you've got you know this idea of praying for Kim Jong Un, I think. T- Regardless of what side yeah, of Australian yeah, politics yeah. you fall on, yeah. that's a good challenge. For yeah, you. it's very humbling, actually. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I think that, yeah, just that there is, um, even in myself, a um, tension of probably finding it easier to pray for politicians who I agree with more mm, than yeah. other ones. Like, I think it's a very real thing that probably a lot of us struggle with. But yeah, mm. praying for those in power, it's something that I definitely can be more thoughtful of in my prayers. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Me too, probably, because it's probably not something I really yeah. think about yeah. that much. Pray for myself, pray for my family and friends, pray for my church. Yeah. That is usually where it stops, if yeah. I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Very rarely praying yeah. for the nation of Australia. Mm. Almost never praying for the global church. Yeah. So definitely a good challenge for us. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what's good about days, like the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Yeah. It sort of puts you in a global mindset. Yeah. And it is... Um, Especially here at the centre, there's so much happening, hmm. like in so many different moving parts. Hmm. We did a count of what we do. There's 16 things we do, which which sounds like so much and also so little. I'll yeah, be honest. I was like, <laughs> like, a little bit underwhelmed. I was like, I thought you were going to say 16. 16, <laughs> no, 16 but like, it's all very like time consuming. Yeah, like, when you start thinking about the actual yeah, logistics, like, you know, futsal, yeah. netball, warriors, flavor world, main yeah. shed. They're massive. Like these are they're big projects. They which, are. Yeah, it can easily take up your time. So, yeah, yeah. So it's easy to sort of just think about yourself, mm-hmm. and so that's what's and to and, to ref, and probably to just reframe. I think what's really helpful about having open doors come is, yeah. Look, I think maybe because I've sort of stopped listening to that stuff a bit this year for whatever reason. But yeah, like it was, particularly last year's a lot of sort of, yeah, a lot of prominent Christians like in Australia and America, talking about the rise of secularism and this fear of like, oh, we're going to start going to jail, we're seeing this, and you can begin to think that we're like under attack. Mm. You're like, well, there's people out there that literally are under attack. And as Joel shared, like that church in Egypt, there's like a literal suicide bombing happening yeah. there. Like there's been, I to my mind, I can't think of anyone being killed in a church in Australia. Not, not, no, not no. in a Christian church. Yeah. No, that I can think not of. like that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Like, unless it is, it's usually an accident. Like you know, yeah, someone being accidentally run over in the car. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. It's not, not a deliberate, a, no, like, not a hate crime yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, so, no. Look, it is. So when we sort of look at and something that obviously I think Joel was probably conscious mm. of time. You know, we mm. we give it, we try to, although yeah. I always fail, stay back to a very tight twenty minute <laughs> thing. But I think he sort of, um, yeah, quickly skipped over this how we work and these mm. sort of four different ways of training, resources, development, and trauma care, which is really really interesting. Mm. Um, I think in all of this, it was an interesting thought 
to think, hey, as like a Christian just living in Australia, mm. um, which of these still apply to us? It's probably in a slightly different way because I'd say yeah, trauma yeah. care is a lot of the time to people who have experienced persecution. Yeah. Um, but yeah, without, you know, to self-aggrandizingly <laughs> patting ourselves on the back, I think that there's a lot of stuff that we are doing well yeah. here. Um, I think what's interesting is that the idea that they have is a lot more specific, I think, sometimes in these yeah. countries where people are, yeah, so much more persecuted, that Christianity is maybe a bit more secret. I mean, it always, uh, even when Jordan came the year before, strikes me that they sometimes can't tell you where they're doing work and can't, yeah. like, show faces of people. You're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Just these little facts kind of hit home of how persecuted they are. Um, in, in all of this stuff... Um, where do you kind of see this work as being really important specifically to open doors? I know that yeah. you're kind of very passionate about mission and overseas yeah. work. You have a missional heart. Um, why do you like specifically the work that open doors do? Yeah. Um, so it's funny you mentioned Jordan, cause I think last year she summarized it well. And I said this to her after she spoke is that you don't put fear of like the people who are persecuting Christians, it's easy to sort of become, have a phobia about the different religious groups, say, mm. or Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or mm. like secularism and start to label them as the enemy. Mm -hmm. And we as sort of the Christians as the innocent victims. So it's painted as we support and care for our persecuted brothers and sisters, but we don't hate mm -hmm. our enemies. There's mm -hmm. a couple of, other persecuted organizations, which I think lean a little bit into the phobia, you can mm. start to feel like, ah, you're, you're terrified instead mm. of, yeah, I find open doors is very, here's the truth, mm. but we don't hate. Like, I don't see any of this as like, oh, we're not praying against North Korea to collapse or like God to strike them down. We're praying for the, yeah, yeah obviously we're praying for Kim Jong-un, you're praying for his salvation. Sure. And yeah. yeah, and that's what I really like about them. And like in some of this stuff here, uh, actually it's here, it's really stood out to me, the persecution preparedness training. Mm. Um, Open Doors, I had it, it still, it still runs a devotional called Standing Strong Through the Storm. And it's something you can subscribe to through um, Bible Gateway. Mm. Yeah, and they just like, that's a big thing is they help, in a lot of these devotions, helping like pastors or Christians to be continue in their faith mm. in, in the really lonely, isolated periods. Mm. And so that's a, yeah, I think I see as that important work of preparing Christians theologically for what persecution is. As Joel said, there's some, yeah, people who think that persecution is against the gospel. Mm. Which I find fascinating. Um, Francis Chan, it must be like over a decade ago, he did a couple of sermons on one of them was called you're lukewarm and you're loving it and one of them was on like suffering mm. i can't remember the titles on we did two of them he just basically went through all the passages in the new testament about suffering so he went through them all on like the gospels then he went through on the epistles and uh, he when he did the second part he said after part one people like, i had no idea these verses even existed in the yeah. bible like, it's just like completely You're probably changed. not going to like crochet it on a pillow, are you? <laughs> no. Well, it's all, and in one of the sermons, he uh, he was going through 1 John um, one John 3.16, which I don't want to butcher it, but I'll put it out. Um, 
So 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And he's like, hey, why aren't we painting 1 John 3.16? Everyone puts John 3.16, you know. He says all the footballers put it under, you know, their eyes. They have it on there like tattooed. But yeah, 1 John 3.16 is probably more pertinent for Christians. Mm. So yeah, you won't find those sermons on YouTube still. Mm. And I think like he... Yeah, Francis Chan was in a church, Simi Valley, very wealthy, very comfortable Christian church. And so, yeah, just that challenge he was giving mm. to them. And that's why I feel like, yeah, well, Open Doors too, it's that reminder that persecution isn't the antithesis of the gospel. Mm. It's sometimes part and parcel of the calling. Many of the letters prepare you for that. Yeah. And, yeah, how are you going to respond to that? So, mm. yeah. It's a real challenge. Mm. And I think that in all of that, um, you've got a um, yeah, culture that's uh, you know averse to pain, aver- averse mm. to suffering. <clears throat> but I think that we as human beings are averse to that. Yeah. And I think that a lot of this points towards a, a vision and a hope for something beyond this life and, mm. and what's happening here. Because I think yeah. that um, one thing that suffering does <laughs> is reminds you of the brokenness of this world and yeah. reminds you that this is not God's plan. Mm. Um, I think that we can be very good at creating heaven on earth for us yeah. in a way that actually um, gets in the way of our relationship with God because we become our own gods that create heaven yeah. for ourselves, you know. Uh, and look, Australia is very far removed from a lot of the world's pain. Mm. Um of late, I've been watching lots of free docos on YouTube, mm. and there's some like pretty horrific stuff that goes on in the world. And I mm. think I was sharing before I was watching docos on Somali pirates and the mm. reason, yeah, and pirates kidnapping like oil workers for money. It's like a business thing yeah, to yeah. just, yeah, obviously the stuff that's happening in Gaza right now. Like we're listening to a lot of reports on that. Like it can, like I like to sort of kind of have a finger on the pulse of global events. But at the end of the day, it's very detached. Yeah. Once the video's over, I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm not getting bombed. Like, it's kind of forget about it. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, that's the... Uh, but suffering, I find actually it's interesting in the West. Like, yeah, we talk about people not liking suffering yet. Uh, hmm. it, it's a little bit of a gym culture. So yeah. people kind of... There's, there's elements that people recognise. No pain, no gain. Yeah. Of um, Yeah, there's a... In some fitness, like movements is a real kind of almost embracing this extreme like yeah. endurance yeah either running or cycling is yeah yeah and you talk to this one um there's one race it's an indoor race where the runners compete in this indoor stadium for 24 hours and this guy's interviewing him this one lady's like like why like why are you doing this and she's like like i have to mm-hmm. like, i can't explain it she's like you can see she's just in absolute agony like doing this kind of shuffle run because her legs are exhausted yeah. it's like i have to i have to do it like i have to finish it so mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting even that like we recognize there's a, a strengthening of our character mm-hmm. in suffering yeah. And, yeah i guess this is the i guess the, uh, sort of the paradox of our faith we worship the lion and the lamb yeah who, yeah, God embraced suffering mm. and was vindicated through that. Mm. Yeah, I, look, I definitely think that we can become like spiritually asleep um, mm. when we are too physically comfortable. Like, mm. I think that that is a powerful element of like the spiritual practice of fasting. Mm. 
Um, I even think of, you know, all of these sort of Hollywood elites who love the like ice bath, like cold mm. plunge and all of this as a, as a comedian I like who makes a joke in his latest special, you know, I'm 44 and I have cold showers so I can still feel something, you know, like just this idea that I'm yeah. like, I'm dead inside and like experiencing a little bit yeah. of like cold shower in the morning actually <laughs> wakes me up to the reality of the world. Cause I think that, yeah, we, we, we can almost fall out, fool ourselves into falling into a comatose state where we're just like, yeah. so, and yeah, it, I think it is really, and I think we got to be really careful in not fetishizing like persecution stories. Yes. Um, in not sort of creating a situation where um, we're almost looking at them in the same way that we watch a like James Bond film and like, oh, I feel alive again. Like, <clears throat> mm. but also in that going one step further in saying, you know, this isn't sort of a fictional Daniel Craig situation mm. of, you know, feeling invigorated once again and then going out and slowly cooling down. But it's really about remembering not only that that's their reality, but that was Jesus' reality. Like yeah. that's that's the, you know, pinnacle part of the story of God dying on a cross. Mm. And obviously the hope is in the resurrection, but, mm. you know, you can't have the resurrection without the crucifixion. That's and exactly. you can't have that new life without, you know, the suffering. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah, inwound in our faith. I think one of the things I found helpful with the passage that um, Joel used, he used a lot, but the one, the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl, which is you know, from Matthew thirteen forty four, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and he found one of great value. He went and sold everything he had and bought it. And this idea that we have this really valuable treasure mm. and it's so valuable you're prepared to sacrifice mm. quite a lot yeah mm. it's like you know a guy finding a field of treasure well i'm going to give sell everything i have to receive that all that mm. pearl and i think that's a really helpful idea it was a verse that really helped me come back to the lord when i sort of wandered away was the um matthew 6 where 19 it still always gets to me it says do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth, moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in steal but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is your heart will be also. It's very, very challenging words because like where is your treasure? Yeah. And it's very easy. Yeah, I remember hearing a story about an Iranian Christian who got released in prison went to America and he said... Uh, he, he said a year in America was harder than being a Christian than like being in Iran. Yeah. He said like the treasure, like the temptation in the safe Western world is to like, you start to drift a bit where, yeah, because it is easy to start building up treasures mm. on earth rather than heaven. And so, yeah, being reminded of that is like, well, ultimately, yeah, we live 70 years, 80 years, 100 years, mm. like eventually you can die. Unless yeah. Christ returns before that. And so yeah. what's going to happen to all that stuff? And so yeah. I think for me, that's really, it's an important verse to come back to constantly, like Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Yeah. Like, well, if you know where your treasure is, you're not going to worry as much. Mm. I found that in our Samuel series of seeing Eli cling to his power. Mm. It's like, oh, the dude fell off a chair and broke his neck and died. Like all that meat he'd eaten yeah. and his son stealing it, mm. now it's all gone. Mm. Saul, to an extent, like eventually he 
yeah. dies on a battlefield committing suicide, which is yeah. like frowned upon in Israel. Like, it seems yeah. just so shameful. And yeah. then even David, to an extent, like he's, yeah, it's like kind of you don't. Everyone knows it. Like you don't take your wealth with you. Yet we sort of live, mm. I think, in a way that, yeah. I don't know, we kind of don't want to think about death or like what's yeah. going to happen to it. So, yeah. oh, and I think like I think it's also the work of the enemy in this. Mm. I think we're so good at justifying it. Yes, You're like oh, I'm I'm leaving something behind for my children. Mm. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like I, th- I think that a lot of the time it can get to a certain point. It's like, how much are you just actually accumulating wealth um, mm. as as your god of protection, as your yeah. god of security, and you know, trying to frame it as something which really is, you know, oh, honorable and oh, I'm, it's actually a sacrificial act, me like accumulating yeah. all this wealth. And I think it, it's such an easy trap. And I think that there's a reason that, you know, even in the Old Testament, the structure of finances that God gives is, you know, give, you know, your, your first fruits to mm. the Lord, but also like give to the poor like give to the needy and then also like this idea of share with one another. And it's this idea of in holding all of those possessions loosely first to, you know, use it to love God and then to love your neighbor. And then also to, you know, love the needy and those who are destitute. And then even more radically, every seven years you've wiped away debt. Yeah. I was talking, I was talking to someone last night about the year of Jubilee. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, how handy would it be in our society if you lent and borrowed money? And it's like, all right, seven years, wipe away. Yeah, yeah. Although technically under that, wouldn't you then, the house that you bought, it returned to the person who originally owned it? <laughs> True. <laughs> so it's not like I'm like, great, I don't have a mortgage. It's like, great, I don't have anything <laughs> now. Yeah. A <laughs> I guess I'm going back to England. <laughs> what did my great, great, great grandfather own? I hope there's a castle somewhere <laughs> that's mine. So I don't know. <laughs> It'd but, be uh, probably a lot of Indigenous should... Australians who'd love the idea of being here of Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, very, very different system we have now. But like it was radical faith of yeah. like you had to trust God to like, yeah. if you bailed someone out, it didn't matter if it was the first year of the cycle or the last year. Mm. Yeah. You had to do it. And yeah. yeah, you trusted God would provide enough, which is, yeah. It's interesting, as you were chatting, I was just thought about um, that parable of the rich fool where the guy builds up his barns. Mm. Yeah, and then God says, you fool, this night your life will be demanded for you. Mm. Who will get it all prepared for yourself? And mm. yeah, Luke's gospel ticker really, each gospel obviously has like its kind of purpose. Its focuses. Yeah, and Luke's really is about like <laughs> the danger of building up wealth. It's yeah. Probably, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I, historically, like say, because Joel also looked at the, the rich young ruler. Historically, who was it? Oh, it wasn't, um, Irenaeus. No, is it Irenaeus? Oh, origin. I've forgotten who it was. Anyway, someone... One of the early church fathers. One of the early church fathers heard Matthew 19, the rich young ruler, preached, and and he literally gave up all his... Yeah, wow. And so I don't think that's what that story is teaching us. Hmm. You know, we need to... I think what it's teaching us is that what sort of idols are in your life that are hindering you Hmm. to salvation. Because... Hmm. Yeah, obviously in Acts, Paul encounters Lydia, a seller of purple cloth. Mm. That's very, very valuable stuff. Yeah. So you kind of need Christians who have resources. Mm. For like, yeah, I know poverty in the Middle Ages was seen as a sign like you'd, yeah. the, the monks would live in poverty, but you need someone to 
And so, yeah. yeah, wealth is... So in the Old Testament, wealth is a sign of God's blessing. Mm. In the New, it's not a guarantee, obviously, yeah. but it's not forbidden. Yeah. Like Hebrews, doesn't, like everyone kind of... Not everyone. Sometimes that passage gets a bit missed. Yeah, money is the root of all evil. Well, it's like, well, actually, no, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But all kinds of evil. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of evil. That's true, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not even yeah, all yeah, evil. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I, but I think... The idea is it is that, and even Joel's when he was chatting about with his wife and they were packing up their possessions, like could we leave all this behind? I think that's the kind of litmus test of, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when I was at college, we had um, uh, I can't remember where he was from, but we had a guy come in and talk about the challenges that Western missionaries have in moving to uh, like a developing country, mm-hmm. and so. He was saying, he said, you and I, like, we don't seem wealthy. But mm. if you say move to a country like Cambodia or yeah, somewhere like that, Asia, Africa, you're going to look really wealthy to the local like, yeah. population. Yeah. And he shared it and he used a fake example of a rich German moving into Bondi. And he said, like, someone living in Bondi, like, oh, they've got money. But in... And he gave all examples of the type of apartment that they were renting, the type mm. of car they were driving. And they go, to you and I, that seems quite extravagant, but mm. to this person, oh, it was a step down. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I remember that. It was just a great reframing of like, well, yeah, how other people perceive your wealth and your treasures and not to be precious about it mm. and clinging on to. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's for me is what I see these passages reminding us of. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's all relative, to. isn't mm. it? I mean, it, it's like that hedonistic wheel or treadmill that mm. we're all on, you know. I was even, I was, you know, listening to another comedian recently who was making the point that even just the f- idea of having a hot shower every day. Yeah, man. Like, that's a pretty shower. new thing. Like, yeah. That's like the past hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, even like the most wealthy, like, having a hot bath once every couple of days. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like you were lucky if you had a hot bath once a week, like a hundred yeah. years ago. And just how quickly we are to acclimatize to mm. a new standard. Yep. And we just get so used and just suddenly take things which are luxuries for granted, like yes. this idea of the hedonistic treadmill. But I think in all of that, there is this, yeah, really helpful reminder to hold all of it loosely. And mm. I think ultimately like it's liberating, but it also creates this, immense sense of gratitude and mm. thankfulness and actually you know it, i think even that is just a really mm. helpful thing um I, I was just personally really struck by um the way that that passage about th- that goes on sort of after the you know the the rich ruler sort of leaves upset um because he wasn't willing to give away everything he had mm. jesus talks about everyone who's given up houses or brothers yeah. or sisters or father mother or children or property for my sake receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life really really interesting to read that passage in within the context of even the story they told about that twin brother mm, yeah. who lost his brother to a suicide bomber while mm. worshiping at church i kind of always read that that line as you know if you take on a faith um following jesus and you know people kind of turn their back on yep. you your family but there's another way of like, what if those brothers, sisters, father, mother, children also are following Jesus mm. and they lose their life for that? Mm. That's also for God's sake. Yeah. 
um, it's a really powerful reminder, I think, for those who are losing, you know, not, not just themselves, but also, you know, their, their family, their friends mm. for their faith. Um, I think it's a really helpful reminder that yeah. this is this is the sort of people that Jesus, I think, was also speaking to. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So my sake receive a hundred times as much mm. and will inherit eternal life. Yeah. Because that was one of the things, I can't remember if Joel spoke about it or not, but like wealth was obviously seen as a sign of God's blessings. So mm. this guy would have been seen as being very righteous because he had lots of wealth. Mm. So I think that's what Peter's shocked about. He's like, what? Mm. This dude's not saved. Then what about us? Mm. What hope do we have? Mm. So it's a, mm. yeah, a very different take of how mm. like the Jews saw how God chose different people. Yeah. And yeah, I think that we can be guilty of that in our own way, assuming that somebody who is wealthy um, is wiser mm. um, and seeking their counsel more than maybe somebody who isn't wealthy. I think that yeah. they can still be seeing this thing, whether it's through God's blessing or through being a more virtuous mm. person in some way, you know, being, you know, more appropriate to, you know, maybe be uh, nominated onto council or being, you yeah. know, more, you know, worthy to d do this thing, you know, lead this ministry or, you know, have this insight into something that the church should be doing. Mm. Um, I think we really need to be careful of that in our own way. And again, it's not that people who are financially successful can't be incredibly wise. And I think yeah, there yeah. is a recognition of that. But yeah, just continuing to come back to this idea that, you know, it's it's not about that and it's about yeah. a heart for the Lord. Mm. It is a really tricky thing. Um, mm. In in all of this, as we kind of look at, you know, the persecuted church, what do you think it, it sort of actually calls us to do? Because I think that there is the obvious thing of, you know, financially supporting. Mm. <laughs> um, beyond that, like, w w what do you see? I, I just, I suppose I'm really intrigued to hear your thoughts on this because yeah. I know that you have also, you know, had a real heart for mission. You've had a real heart for the global church. Um, I, I, I am assuming the answer isn't, you know, just engage in it once a year and, you know, mm. sort of wipe your hands of it. How do you see it kind of changing our day-to-day -day lives, engaging with the persecuted yeah. church? Uh, yeah, I think like a good start is actually, yeah, like I said, not engaging once a year. It's almost... Like there's lots of apps out there now, like mm -hmm. Voice on Martyrs. I don't think Open Doors has an app. Voice on Martyrs, Barnabas Fund. There's just daily reminders to be praying mm. and you can get those. And I think that's, yeah, do nothing else is pray. Mm. There's a lot a lot of persecuted Christians and pastors that say, oh, we just want your prayers. Mm. We don't want your money. We don't want, mm. we want your prayers because we know that's how God works. And so like realistically... Yeah, not many of us are going to go on a like an open doors trip to see the persecuted. Or mm -hmm. I think they're actually recognizing that we're part of a, a global movement. Yeah, and yeah, praying into that, finding spaces to to pray into that, to give to that. Perhaps even like yeah, doing a fast to recognize that's an mm -hmm. important way too to remember the hungry, to yeah. remember those who are suffering. Um, yeah, Voice of the Martyrs had a campaign, 1313. I think it was at 1.13 you were supposed to, like, pray. It was this reminder, like, obviously, 13, the 24-hour clock. Yeah. To pray, to remember. Yeah. Um, 
And I think if you do get the chance, like going on like a vision trip, yeah, Open Doors used to do that. Mm. I don't know if they really offer them as much now, but you could once upon a time you could smuggle Bibles. Mm. We had neighbours who used to smuggle Bibles. Yeah, well. Just, yeah, and if the chance comes like going to a mission trip where like Christians are persecuted, just mm. get an insight. There's something very powerful mm. about that. Mm. And but to practicing the simple things. Um well, I say simple things. Mm. It's actually very, very difficult. But it's it's a core component of our faith, actually forgiving our enemies. Mm. I see like that's mm. one of the things that strikes me about the persecutors. They never hate their enemies. There's a cert, there's a sense of like Jesus on the cross, like forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Mm. And you read that like different accounts of Christians in prison being beaten and yeah, praying for their enemies, praying a blessing upon mm. them. That's kind of, yeah, I think... One lesson I take away from the persecuted is, yeah, or well, often, funnily enough, in churches we sort of enemies maybe is a strong word, but yeah. have people we dislike and yeah. we'll have these like tense relationships for years or decades and never sort of address them. Yeah. And actually, the gospel encourages us to forgive. And um, yeah, most nights with the kids, we watch a little stories of the Bible because I'm too lazy to like read them. Right. <laughs> it's like, this oh, is the, next generation, the next generation. The next generation. Like, so from Solovac's kids, it's great. And like the one we've been watching, we sort of watch a few just so the kids can learn the story well, is um, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Mm. And that one is just so unbelievably powerful. Mm. Even in like a simple kids format, it's yeah. a little bit silly, but like the core message is just, yeah, we owe a debt. Well, in the, in the in the kids' version, it's a million dollars, which you know Hazel and Ash get a kick out of. Yeah, it's a million dollars. But like yeah. the, the the debt is incalculable. Like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like the numbers Jesus talks about, it's like it's not like you're like owing trillions of dollars. Like yeah, no yeah. way one person can yeah. repay this back. I heard one's like it'd take like seventy lifetimes. Yeah. to pay <laughs> <or something laughs> like <laughs> just it's like I, I wish they said a billion dollars instead of a million. Yeah, yeah, the story yeah, kind yeah, of loses. Yeah. But the point is like. <laughs> And the king just wipes it away. Yeah. And then, like, and the debt, the other seven owes, it's significant. Yeah. But, like, compared to what's yeah. been forgiven. Mm. And for me, that's, yeah, it's really, really powerful what God has forgiven us for mm. compared to what we need to forgive others. Mm. And, yeah, scripture is mm. really clear. Like, yeah, if you don't forgive others, my only father won't forgive you. Mm. And,. Yeah, Jesus said, like, man, even the pagans and the tax collectors love people who love them. Like, you're meant to be different. And mm. sadly, I think a lot of Christians, there's no real difference between their attitude mm. towards the people that are difficult and persecute them than, mm. yeah, the rest of the world. So mm. that's mm. what I, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting, like, particularly in the book of Revelation, uh, yeah, the the seven letters and only two of the churches aren't given a bad rap. The two that are being persecuted, um, mm. Smyrna and oh gosh, whatever the other places I've had a mind blank. Yeah. Thyatira? No, that's not right. Anyway, but yeah, there's two of them, and yeah. they um, yeah, it's just like this idea of persevere, keep going, mm. and yeah, and one of the letters talks about you'll be persecuted for ten days. This idea of like it's a short time frame like yeah. just keep going and remind you what the heavenly reward is so mm. yeah i think that's for me so like kind of summarize all my rambling into a succinct sentence is yeah obviously give if you feel compelled or you can try to like pray once a day mm. like yeah. yeah 
can to remember that we're part of a global church and that their prayer the the top 50 is a really helpful tool for that and open doors and lots of other organizations have really good things just to remember that like you said it's easy we pray for our family and friends and church and community and often stops there but the concentric circle is bigger than that so even it's just yeah praying for one country for a minute or two a day that's helping you think more globally of what god is doing yeah and embracing some of those principles of what the persecuted do they yeah they could of like loving and forgiving enemies and holding their possessions loosely. Yeah. Like Hebrews talks about that. He goes, hey, when you first are saved, like people are taking your possessions and you're like, oh, well, gladly I like, kind of accepted that because he knew you had a bigger reward. Mm. Mm. That was part of that. Yeah, I'll say that. Their whole treasure at the beginning, their treasure was in heaven. It's like, oh, we've got a better mm. reward coming. And mm. so I need to remember that. Mm. So mm. good. Mm. Love it. Thank you, Pastor yeah. Mitch. <laughs> well, we are uh, jumping back into our Samuel series we this weekend. Next yeah, looking at Monday. an unusual sort of passage mm. where um, Saul is trying to kill David mm. and David flees to a place called Nob and there he eats the consecrated bread. Yeah. And why And then why picking, why I've decided to pick up pass because Jesus also uses that to yeah. show like why it was okay for like the disciples to eat the wheat yeah. on the Sabbath. And yeah. so, yeah, it's an interesting passage. And also too tied into that, he takes Goliath's sword and then ends up <laughs> being killed in Goliath's hometown. So it shows like the desperation of David. So, mm. yeah, a lot of it, probably a passage not many people would preach through in Samuel, but yeah. I feel like if Jesus saw this as important enough to reference, then we probably should... Like, look at that because three, look. three yeah. of the gospels mention this story, and yeah. so I was like, okay, if Jesus saw it as important enough, and the gospel author saw it important enough to have this account in here, referring yeah. to David committing what was like under Torah quite a serious offense yeah. and not being punished, like, mm, yeah. what does that show us about, yeah, God's laws and that's kind of how they operate and how, mm. yeah. so yeah, mm. that'd be interesting. Can't wait. Mm. I'm looking forward to mm. it, man. Well, look, we'll, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure have a uh, very, very interesting dive into that on <laughs> yeah. Sunday. I know that those passages that are maybe a bit less commonly preached are yeah. not always really fascinating. And actually, the banter will be fun too because we'll look at the, the, the more broader context and there's some weird passages in there. Can't wait. A little deep dive. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thanks for the chat as always. All right, thank you. We'll see you Sunday for see some uh, consecrated breath. <laughs> <laughs> see you then, everyone. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.